welcome to the Student Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Rutherford from Learn, Grow, Become, where we work with universities and higher education providers to empower mature age and part-time students to gain the mindset, the strategies, and the confidence to succeed in their studies. Hello and welcome to this week's Student Experience Podcast. My special guest today is Martin Locke. Martin is the Manager of International Student Engagement at TAFE Queensland International and he's also a board member of Study Queensland. In his role at the International Development, uh, sorry, the International Department of TAFE Queensland International, Martin's focus is to grow, support, enhance connect and develop the programs that TAFE Queensland can deliver to our international student market globally. By giving these students an excellent education and practical industry related outcome, it allows them to become more employable when they look for jobs. Previously, Martin also founded and managed Study Finder, which is an Australian online platform that helps students identify and apply to education institutions based on the course options within an area of interest from a variety of universities, TAFEs and private colleges across Australia. Welcome, Martin. Thank you. And and thank you for having me uh, here today, Tanya. It's a a privilege. It's a pleasure. Now, when I first met you, which I think was in April last year, I had no idea that there actually was an international student market in TAFE. I'd always been assuming that international students only came for university, and I know I'm not alone in that. Can you tell us a bit about the size of the international student market in TAFE and what the attraction of TAFE is to our international students? Sure. So here at TAFE Queensland, we have sort of on average about 3,500 students currently studying or just about to start their studies, and I guess Um, At this time of the year, we're about to kick off in our first semester for 2020, which is quite exciting. Um, The good thing about our our students that we we focus from the international market is that the diversity of the nationality makeup. So a lot of those students uh, come from over 80 countries and uh, we've worked long and hard to maintain a strong, diverse international mix of our students. And there's, there's a number of reasons why we focus on that. And one is sort of, you know, um, we get told by a number of our uh, networks and stakeholders that we engage with globally around having too many of one nationality in a class can not provide a good learning experience. Why would I come from a particular country only to be in a class full of my own country people? Um, and the other thing too is that they want to experience an Australian lifestyle and have that engagement with the, the, the locals as such. So we try and work on building uh, our domestic cohort, and obviously with TAFE Queensland, we have over 120,000 students enrolled studying a various uh, array of courses, online, in-class, face-to-face, apprenticeship, and also with our international market. So the good thing with our domestic base, it, we have a large domestic base. For our international students, it's a way of building them into our programs and obviously we have to adhere and meet a lot of compliance and requirements by our regulator. But the good thing is, is that with, with, with TAFE, it's, it's been really, really quite an unknown uh, sector in some countries. Like what is vocational education? They've been drilled by their parents and, 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 and traditionally focused on, I must get a degree because it's the only way to get a job. 
And I think historically, and I can speak for myself, that was how I was pushed when I finished high school. I must go to university to get a degree, otherwise I won't get a job. And I think the value of what a certificate and diploma means to certain students doesn't quite equate to a degree. So for us, we've tried to also, um, I guess, educate the market around what vocational education does. The good thing with TAFE is that we have um, not only the, the, the qualifications, but also being a government entity can also mean we can open up a lot of doors uh, across many different countries. The thing that we try and work on is that it's not just sitting in a classroom, whether it's with you know other international students or with domestic students, it's about the learning environment. And I think the attraction that we seem to uh, get feedback from our international students is that they love the theory, they love the fact that it's not exam-based and that, you know, it's its ability to actually do the task or, or hand in an assignment or there might be an exam um, in midterm or towards the end of the semester. But it's also the practicality of what our training provides, whether it be in a simulated uh, classroom environment, uh, for example, in our cookery kitchens or our, our, our gaming um, classrooms. And also, and this is quite the unique thing, and I think a lot of countries now are starting to wake up and acknowledge this, is that it's about engaging with the industry and getting the industry to, to tell us this is what these jobs are about. We need your students to be able to do X, Y, Z in the industry. And I think a lot of international students want that now. They don't want to be sitting in a lecture theatre, and this is no disrespect to the university sector because there's still strong um, uh, importance that they bring to the education sectors. But it's about the fact that students don't want to be long-term students. They don't want to be studying and, and, and stressed out with exams and assignments and learning. They want to be able to get a qualification that gets them into the next job. And I think the challenges, and this is one of the key things that we've been working on, is that international students are no different to domestic students. They're, they're I guess, what well, I'm looking at is the generational um, aspects, Gen Y, Gen X, Gen Z, the millennials. Um, their needs and their desires are exactly the same almost. Whether a student from China or a student from Australia, they're going to have different career paths. And the good thing with our programs, and this is where I think TAFE and, 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 and private providers in, in our sector are, are working towards, is that these students need skills for a job that they're looking at in the next two years. And then when they've finished with that, they're looking for the next step up into their career path or the step across. And I think this is where the attraction's coming from, is that we can provide skill sets that, I guess, diversify their own needs to, or in order to meet their, their career um, desires, whether it be, you know, starting off as being a chef and then later on they move into um, uh, business management and ending up being in childcare. We've seen a lot of students with career changes like that, and we're adapting to meeting those needs, whether it's an Australian or a student from uh, Brazil. So I think um, in order to to really you know hone in and why we work on the diversity and why we've got good numbers and we've had strong growth over um, the last sort of four or five years is the fact that we're also seeing students doing things outside the norm. And I'll give you some examples around this. Recently, we had a Korean student. She's a female from um, uh, South Korea. She came over to our Gold Coast campus, studied heavy vehicle uh, certification. She ended up working uh, in the heavy vehicle industry um, down in Burley on the Gold Coast and has really defined that sort of working outside the box taking it to, you know, I'm a minority in a, in a, in a male-dominated industry and doing quite well. 
and, and getting the respect from her peers as well as uh, industry um, colleagues as well. And that for us is, is quite a breakthrough because back home, she may not have been able to get a job in the heavy vehicle, let alone maybe working for Hyundai or Kia or, 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 or the likes. So that's really exciting to see sort of students step outside their comfort zones and really challenge those barriers um, to certain industries. Just as much as we've seen Chinese students coming doing childcare and traditionally in China and, and most Asian countries, we see that the, the, the children and, and the grandchildren are typically um, looked after by the grandparents and then, you know, the, the, the mums and dads are looking after the grandparents too. But now we're starting to see the childcare industry um, develop and grow. It takes time. Yes, we, we realise that. But, you know, when we're starting to see uh, industries form from, from something traditionally like, like that, it's quite exciting for us. And um, we've seen a lot of um, successful students in childcare working in the industry here in Australia and providing that diversity of what, you know, our multiculturalism is known for here in Australia, but also going back home and setting up their practices back home. And the third, the third case, which I really, really love, and it's quite an exciting one, sends goosebumps um, all over my body, is that um, a couple of years ago, we had a Swedish student come and um, study sports development with us. She was an ex-Olympian who broke her back in a sporting injury and then after her recovery decided to come down to Australia and study at our Mooloolaba campus on the Sunshine Coast. And she did our diploma of sport development, but she also did it with one of our, I guess, um, themed programs, which was um, surfing. So she actually learned to surf as well with our surfing academy up there. And surfing academy um, is run by an ex-professional surfer there on the Sunshine Coast. She'd never really sort of surfed before. She was a bit nervous because of her broken back and, and her history. But because of her um, uh, Olympic background and the fact that she was a gymnast, she had the ability and coordination skills to learn that. And the great thing about this is that after her studies, she had such a great experience with TAFE and the, and the, and the engagement with the Australian community and that she actually embraced it and opened it up and said, I'm letting this all in because this is the best experience ever. She now advocates back home in Sweden for you know people with sporting injuries or similar injuries and rehabilitation, and um, you know it's sort of like the break it before you make it type of thing. And uh, she actually comes and talks to our student cohorts from time to time. So she travels down from Sweden, and we had her recently last semester come and talk to our current sporting students. Um, across our three campuses on the Sunshine Coast, Brisbane and Gold Coast, about her experiences and and how to sort of look at developing um, core strengths just in case, you know, you do break a back or you had a leg injury or foot, um, ankle injury or whatever it might be. And it's that sort of, you know, re-engaging alumni, which is something not quite common in the TAFE world, back into, and it sort of adds that value add to the students, which they all love. Um, and that's really where, you know, these stories transition across multiple countries and we we showcase that as best as we can as much as i've got a sales team that are based around the world engaging with the students the best story is from a student themselves not from a salesperson that sounds really exciting and i just love that like i know <laughs> from my background um you know when i first way back in the distant last century kind of time um uh, was looking at what i would do you know it was like take the practical um, university for a career um, mm. and I was actually looking at doing TAFE and then transitioning into because I was doing accounting so, uh, um, <laughs> but, you know that transition stuff so it's it's really great mm. that that 
practical element has stayed throughout, but now it mm. sounds like it's it's growing into a different dimension almost. And, um, you know, that agility where people are able to make a much faster transition than, than perhaps a full degree or something like that, but they can try something and they can actually, you know, work in that space for a few years. Is that for me? Move into another area without the big, um, I guess, the financial burns that you would have of doing a full degree. So they could almost try something before they buy it almost. Almost exactly. And that's exactly the um, approach that we try and say with students is that for some industries, it is a try before you buy, like, you know, a, a business diploma. We find students who, who have come to us who whose parents have traditionally said, you know, you must go off and do a, a degree in, in, in business with a finance major. Great. I've had students coming to me and saying, I don't want to be in finance or economics. I actually want to be a chef. And I'm like, great, because that's my background. Historically, I, I was a chef and I went, I can talk to you about food. And again, we've got to try and push students into their passion, not corral them into something that they feel is going to um, suffocate them. And I think the good thing is, is that they can try for one year or six months a program and go, oh, yes, that that's quite all right, but it's not quite for me, but it's not wasted. They can still utilize the skills they've obtained from there and apply it to something else that they're more you know, passionate about. And we've seen students come and do uh, a diploma of business and then they've gone and teed it up with a certificate in childcare. Or um, recently in a trip I went to the Philippines, I had a student come and say to me, I want to do a diploma in childcare plus a diploma in mental health. And I sort of was taken back a bit by going, wow, that's an interesting combination. Please explain. She said, well, here in the, in the Philippines, and I'm sure it's, it's quite a common um, issue globally, is that there's a lot of young children with mental health problems, and I want to start a practice in that. And I just went, wow, that's a light bulb. That's I've amazing. never heard of anyone addressing that. And I'm thinking, that's something that is, you know, groundbreaking and, 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 and but, you know, the, the, the ability to actually sit there and look at the programs and marry them up, and, yeah. and, and, and look at their outcomes. You know, I'm sure that student when she and you know she did enrol when she comes. I think in July this year. I'm I'm quite excited to sort of see how their journey proceeds after their studies with us. And you know, it's only one year that she'll be with us. And um, the the great thing is is to sort of see where she goes and whether she has a practice set up here in in, in Australia or in another country or back home in the Philippines. It would be really good. And that's where I guess the um, a challenge for us as an education provider and the challenge with students is looking at those future jobs and going, where do they lie? Five, six years ago, maybe a little bit longer now that Facebook's been around almost 10 years plus, is that social media wasn't even considered a serious career path. But now we've got, you know, you can be a, a, a Facebook marketing manager, you can be a social media influencer, um, you know, things that, you know, we don't think of now we've got to look at five years down the track and see what qualifications do we need to meet those needs and also will the students want those needs and I guess for some industries they need those qualifications like to be a chef they need the certificate three and the certificate four in order to be able to work same with childcare same with nursing and so for some industries the qualification is a requirement as a need for employment but the good thing is is it doesn't take years and years and years and also cost in order for them to achieve their goals and again that's just 
I, I always say to a lot of students, it's a platform, and we see a lot of students, you know, using that platform to elevate into a degree later on, which a can meet this, you know, their their parents' excitement that they finally got a degree, but that doesn't mean that they have to spend another three or four years with the credit arrangements we have with a number of our university partners. They can study at with us and go to university in the same duration and come out with two or three qualifications. So that would look amazing on their resume um, to, to, to have that come out. And I think that's one of the things now is that we're starting to get recognition of the transition between the two sectors and that transition from us to employment and the fact that industry is now more involved in the development of how we do deliver our qualifications. And that to me is more important than um, just going, all right, we've got a diploma of business. You go into that course and be done with it. So, yeah. And I think also that, Exciting time. that complementary nature as well. So, uh, like I was talking to um, a young fellow that I know uh, last night, actually, and he was saying how he's doing his, um, his bachelor's in primary school, uh, primary education, mm -hmm. but he's also doing a diploma in early childhood um, care. So that, you know, if he's teaching for prep students, then he's much more able to manage that transition for students who are not yet quite ready for school, um, things like that. So yep. just that ability to add, you know, a university qualification with a, you know, a TAFE qualification and, you know, mm -hmm. just seeing mm -hmm. things in a different way. I think it's, it's really exciting that we're finally getting to that point where we are looking at things in different ways. And um, yep. yeah, I think that's gonna be really good. Um, so my yeah. next question for you, um, it's coming back more to that international student experience and that's really what the challenges that those students do go through when they first come to Australia and start their studies because I know quite often they turn up and almost going into class the next day sort of thing. So I guess, yeah, the challenges that we see um, and it's probably not isolated to one or two countries experiencing this. It's all students, whether they come from the UK or South America or Asia uh, as such, is that we've got to look at it from their eyes. These students have packed up their home. They're leaving their family networks. They're leaving their friend networks. They're leaving their comfort blanket to then embark on a, not only a new country, but also to undertake study, and also undertake study that they might not be used to in their home country. Um, I guess the, the challenges that we've seen from a lot of international students is that the transition from say high school and university in their home country where they might've studied five, six days a week, and it's you know eight till six, you know really long hours of educational study, and they get here and they go, what do you mean I've only got three days a week in class? What do I do with the rest of my time? What do you mean it's 20 hours a week? Um, what is this practical simulation? Do I need, you know, what textbooks do I need for that? And it's all those questions they start to build up, which obviously can lead to a lot of um, issues around anxiety and depression. And, and, and the key thing, and look, I'm, you know, hands up, I'm not an Australian. I was born in New Zealand, but I've been living here now for 20 years, is that my transition over here is the knowing the unknown. You know, what do I need to do to set myself up? Where am I going to get money from? What type of job am I going to get? You know, it's all those questions that start to build up, let alone going, okay, how am I going to make friends? How do I socialize? What am I going to do on a Friday night? Once, you know, my English, is it going to be good, bad, or indifferent? Um, all these questions are really, really the biggest challenges that these international students experience. That I guess a real fine... <laughs> 
um, layer that sort of, I guess, it sort of lies underneath too, and it's probably because Australia is well known for is that you know there's a lot of dangerous creatures here apparently, um, you know, crocodiles and sharks and snakes and spiders and, and drop bears and whatever else that you want to throw into the mix. Let alone snakes. bushfires, storms and floods and 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 hail and dust storms. Australia is quite diverse in itself without sort of trying to put it into a tourism spin. But, you know, those things happen in other countries as well. And it just happened to happen here. And unfortunately, students do freak out when they come here, not realising the size of Australia. And I think that's also quite daunting as well, because they may have come from a country where, say, let's take Tokyo, you know, millions and millions and millions of people, great infrastructure. And then they come to, you know, um, Cairns. And the infrastructure is not quite there. But Cairns and Japan have had a long tourism history there. And so the transition to come down and go, wow, I've got the Great Barrier Reef and I've got the Daintree um, on my back doorstep and then I've got to go to class and then finding their way around the campus and going, where do I go? Um, my English is not too great. Ones that they don't understand me, I'm going to feel lost. And that's one of the, you know, the things that I think international students fear is that if they don't know what they're going to experience or what they need to know, they then shut down. And that's some of the challenges that we've seen is that um, teachers and students and, 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 and the community need to show that embracing spirit and sort of open up a bit and, and, and basically help where they can possibly to uh, provide a better, um, I guess, environment for these students to, to walk into. Um, the, the hardest ones too is also finding um, that ability that when they're homesick, how do we deal with that? And a lot of things have come down to culture. Um, it's hard for, um, you know, certain cultures, you know, the female to deal with the male. It's hard for, for um, older students, mature students, dealing with younger staff members or, or being in a classroom with, with a, a younger audience. So that's, that's some of the other challenges as well, is that we've got students who are 18 and finished high school here domestically and then we've got a 37-year-old from Brazil in the same classroom. Um, you know, their, their, their approach to that is, why am I in a class full of young people? You know, there's all these things. But again, it happens in university. I remember being in a lecture theatre many moons ago and there was a 40-year-old um, at the time and I was 18. I'm going, well, why is a 40-year-old in our lecture theatre type of thing? But, you know, things change. Students want a different career path. And again, these international students, they're paying just as much, if not a little bit more than what our domestic students are paying full fee. And again, they want to get that same outcome. They want that same experience. So again, in their mind, they've got financial challenges. They've got emotional challenges. Some of them will have logistical challenges. And at the end of the day, one of the key things that students do when they get here, and it's depending on when they arrive, but generally in the first four weeks, it's where do I live? How do I communicate with back home? And how do I get a job, part-time, casual, whatever it might be, because I need money, even though I have money in the account. It only lasts for so long, and then they will need to, um, obviously, you know, once you start earning local currency, it eases the burden upon them. And I think um, over time, and with all students, it's, it's a different time frame when homesickness kicks in. It's that, you know, that stress of, oh, I've got my first assignment. What, is, what does group um, learning mean versus I've got to work with a partner work versus I've got to work on my own. Um, that's when they start to go, I need my friends, I need my family. 
And that's when, you know, the anxiety and, and, and other issues start to arise. The good thing what we've have, and I'm, you know, most institutions do this, is that we have uh, international student support offices across the majority of our campuses to deal with a lot of those issues that the students have. And it's, um, you know, right from day dot when they come to our orientation, and we just had that last Friday with um, uh, some of our locations, is that it's talking about the do's and the don'ts. You know, the fact that the police here in Australia aren't dictating, and yes, they do have, carry a gun, but they're not threatening um, with that. Um, they're not corrupt, or, you know, what it might be is that there actually are people you can go in and talk to that are open and friendly and, and, and will help you out. Um, the fact that, you know, uh, how do I get a, a transport card to get on the train or the, or the, or the taxi or, or the ferry or whatever it might be? And it's, um, you know, the RTA with, the, with their rent. Some students do homestay, some students stay in student accommodation. Others obviously might have had connections here previously and they want to go and house share. What are their rights? You know, does the landlord take them for a ride and say, oh, you know, here's $4,000 bond and you need to pay the first three months in advance. You know, these students don't know the, the rights and wrongs and it's trying to give them as much information without overloading them because then next week they're going to have an orientation for their program and they're going to understand their timetable and their classes. So it's, 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 giving them that layer of information that they feel comfortable with that they can then absorb and then process and then go, right, I'll park that to the side because I might need to know that later on and then they can focus on the next thing. It's, it's really trying to reduce that anxiety and, and, and pressure and stress that not only in landing in a new country but establishing themselves um, to begin with. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard work. It's not easy and I think... Um, in order to, to you know, combat those challenges, we have developed certain programs. Yeah, and I think it's, um, like you say, it's, it's just reminding ourselves that there is so many other elements that are coming in for these students. It's easy to get frustrated because they're not necessarily easy to understand when they're asking a question and just to stop mm. and take the time out and try to understand what their experiences instead of thinking about well I've got you know 56 million things to do and I just need to get it done and this person's taking too long to explain in a way that I understand what they're asking for you know just being patient and and I guess um, much more sympathetic than I think sometimes we can be particularly when we're under the pump as well yeah yeah and look you know um, this time of the year coming into semester is busy for everyone we understand that it's also you know a busy time for um, local community with schools going back and people coming back from work and you know back to work from holiday and I guess you know um, it adds a lot of stress in general uh, from everyday life from from a normal you know local let alone an international student who's just landed at the airport trying to come out and go right what's next and I guess the key thing to to that as well is that we're trying to give a lot of information before they depart their home country and, you know, obviously the best way is through digital communication. But again, we're relying on them to open it. We're relying on them to understand it. And we're relying on them to, to reach out and ask questions. And again, we're dealing with not only um, language barriers, we're dealing with some cultural barriers as well, is that some students don't feel that they can reach out and, and talk to us. And I think one of the things we've tried to establish in our, in our team is We've got a diverse nationality makeup within our international team, and I think we have over 30 uh, languages spoken. So at least 
the majority of our, of, of our student makeup, we can communicate in local language with them if we have to. Um, that also, I guess, provides a layer of comfort to the student to go, right, they actually understand me, they're prepared to talk to me, they're prepared to listen to me. And as you say, it's that patience and time. They're things that, you know, you can't put value on. You know, they are the most important part to the first engagement we have with these students when they land in Australia and come to our class. If that isn't right, the rest of their experiences are going to be um, questionable. And if they continue having a bad experience, well, guess what? That's going to make it a lot harder for us to recruit more students to Australia. And I think with Australians' um, personality globally is that we are an open, inviting uh, country and we don't have the challenges like some countries like the UK or USA have. I think probably the, uh, our closest rival that, that, that mimics our personality is probably Canada. And, and, you know, we've seen numbers grow in Canada. So obviously they're doing something right we're doing something right and then we're just trying to you know stabilize um, our markets to say you know to to where we go into market and say it's fun to come to Australia you'll get a good time you'll have a great experience you have a great outcome you've got you know chances are you will see a kangaroo yes we don't ride them to school that's not a that's a myth and um, there are no drop beers you know it's it's I guess you know all, all, all jokes aside it's also coming down to the recent events we've had in the last couple of months across yeah. Australia and, um, uh, I recently just came back from overseas from holiday and just the portrayal by media of the bushfires and then suddenly, you know, we've had flooding on the Gold Coast, we've had storms coming through daily now and then we've got dust storms in Canberra and hail down in Melbourne. Those things really, you know, hit home in some of these local countries where they go, oh, have I made the right choice? Um, do I really want to go to Australia? And it's, we've just got to try and sort of say, you know, it's safe, it's good, you still have a great experience. It doesn't affect us as, as people. We still get on with our everyday life, but we'll also help you as well if you get stuck. And I know that's one of the biggest challenges we had was um, 2011 when we had the big floods here in Brisbane and we had our, our, our South Bank campus in Brisbane was heavily uh, affected of the, by the Brisbane River. And uh, it was that sending that communication out early, connecting to the students first and then connecting to the students' families back in their home country and passing on that message. They are safe, they are looked after, they are fine, and um, we're doing everything we can to make sure that, you know, um, they'll continue with their studies, we'll help them where they are. You know, we brought on extra, uh, I guess, guidance and support and counsellors to help with, you know, all those emotions that come with an event like that. And I think it was one of those things where, you know, it was, it was, all hands on deck and everyone put in. And again, it comes down to patience and time. We spent the time, we were patient, we listened to the to um, requests coming through and we alleviated the concerns that were being raised globally. And um, look, you know, it, it took us a few years to recover from that. Um, we felt that no one talks about the floods now back then um, when we go out to market. They don't question, um, you know, oh, is Brisbane gonna flood next year? Well. Who knows? We don't know. And look, we're not worried about it. We move on and, and, you know, it's sort of like we rebuild. But it's building that confidence in the global markets as well. And those are things that, you know, students look at and the media and the, and, and the social media really do have um, an important part in determining where they go to for a destination. And it's not playing off the fact that Canada's cold and Australia's hot. It's more around, you know, what's going to be best for me.
Well, and I talking to some of our Indian students, it is about who has the better cricket team. Um, <laughs> defines their destination. So it could be the yeah, weather as well if we just play our cards right. Um, now well, I know you've I know yeah. you've mentioned a few different ways that we can you know change mm. our approach and our mindset. Um, I guess expanding on that, are there any other ways that we can or any other things that we can do to better provide a learning experience for these students when they come here? Definitely, definitely. I think um, information is key in communication and having open channels with our um, with your international audience is 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 really really important um understanding you know seeing it from their eyes and not necessarily going well our process says and you know we have processes that guide us into way and how we process um enrollments and, and, and study and, and assessment etc but it's a way of just i guess providing the information in a way that they understand because they may not understand the jargon that we're giving to them in a, in a, in a conversation and you know the first thing is that they'll walk away more confused with more questions unanswered than before. Um, we've got to take into account, as I mentioned before, they're moving away from home, family and friends, basically starting a new chapter in their life to better their life for the future as such. And for some students, you know, we see, we've heard stories of the whole village that they've come from have supported that one student to go and come and study here and they chose us because for whatever reason that they wanted and then they're going to go back to better their village um, for the future. And I think we take that for granted. And I think, you know, every student has a story and and um, sometimes those stories are great to share. Some are very sad to listen to, but you want to do your best to help. Um, we try and help every single student as best as possible. And one of the things we've started and we've implemented a, a, a across some of our campuses, and we're looking at doing a statewide approach now, um, is that we've, built in a uh, buddy mentor system. And this is something that's probably really key. And it goes back to listening to the student stories. So this the system that we looked at, and I know that a few um, other institutions across Australia have something very similar in, in, in place. What we do is we look at our current students, we ask for volunteers who want to be part of this buddy mentor system to buddy up with a newbie, a new student starting their semester. And it's a way to transition into TAFE life alleviate their concerns, try and build some trust, and also have that connection into the TAFE community. And I think this is something that's probably, um, when we first started off with, it was a nice to have. Now we're seeing that it's actually more important to grow and enhance this system because there's things that we see developing. We're like, oh, we should have we got to that earlier. How cool we've got that to to that earlier if the student didn't come to the teacher or to a staff member they went to their peers and that's the power of pair you know, their, their peers is that we underestimate that we underestimate the communication they share and the trust that they build and the fact that the current students probably gone oh yes i went to that class it was great try not to sleep because the teacher will pick on you or you know whatever it might be all those little <laughs> idiosyncrasies going into class and and, and also understanding and oh if your class changes, this is where you need to go on the system to see where the class changes are so you don't miss your class or don't miss, you know, Mr. Smith's class. If you're five minutes late, he'll, you know, give you a lecture type of thing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's trying to build that, that you know, the, the do's and don'ts from a student's perspective. And again, students trust students. Students are very, uh, I guess, standoffish to staff and authority. And that can be, a, uh, I guess, a blocker. And what we've tried to learn is that, 
if a student's talking to another student, they're more likely to open up and share. And then obviously any of those major issues can be then brought to our attention. Then we implement the necessary um, procedures in, in uh, dealing with those issues and concerns. But some of it can be just quite, um, I guess, easy to, to administer from a current student's perspective, like, oh, how did you go about traveling on the bus? They said, well, you know, I've got my little go card and I tap and tap off. That's really easy. But they go, but how do you top it up? Do I need to have my bank account ready and connected to my card? They said, oh, no, you can go to the machines there and you can add whatever you want based on your budget. And you can use cash or you can use your card. Um, oh, but I don't have my, my Australian bank card yet. Can I use my home card? And it's all those things that, they, that everyday life outside their study, these current students can help with the transition. If that transition is smoother and the information is free flowing, their experiences are going to be better and, and you'll find that they'll have um, a far positive experience that they'll share to their friends and family. Now, from a marketing point of view, and I've got to put that hat on um, a lot of the time, is that if students share their stories, it saves cost for me, but I want to be able to say that that's our student, that's our alumni, you know, that's, that's, um, that was what they experience, and all students can experience a similar um, uh, study journey with us. And that's one of the things I think we were focusing on. What we're trying to also do is try and bring in domestic students, um, local Australians who want to be um, buddy mentors. And we started that last year. And um, you know, in one campus, we probably have about 12 mentors um, that sort of buddy up with a couple of the current students. And some of them, you know, we try and buddy up you know, maybe a, a, a Korean student with um, some current Korean students staying in their program because of the language. And the fact that if they can speak local language with each other, it, it builds confidence. But then we also want to try and encourage their English language as well because that then um, enhances their confidence when they're out in the, in the public. And uh, we thought if we bring in domestic students, they're likely to have some, you know, better idea around local things. but also. It, it, it's it's a it's a flip side to it as well. We want our domestic students to be globalized as well. Yeah. Now, if our international students are being you know um, in, engaged with our Australian students, we should be giving our Australian students exposure to the international markets because you know a lot of them when they finish they'll probably go backpacking overseas or they'll go and look for a job or they'll get a job here which has opportunity to transition to branches and offices um, in other countries. And if they have understanding and, and, and cultural awareness of um, the nationalities that our students come from, then then we're sort of building a more global community and a better accepted acceptance of, of a global community. And that's quite important too. So it's sort of enhancing the international experience, but we've also got to enhance our domestic ex experience as well. So we're sort of hitting it from both sides. And um, to us, it's it's it's, you know, we can't do it with staff members because the students just don't open up and it's, and it's really key to have student-to-student -student connections. But it's also finding the students um, to volunteer because it is a, a voluntary position. But the idea is that, you know, there's lots of activities that we, we put on to enhance that, whether it be beach volleyball or cricket or, um, you know, barbecues and, and, and picnics in, in the parks and on you know we have orientation weeks on campus and there's lots of activities on campus that we um, encourage and we have particular areas of study and faculties that will put on events throughout the year which you know create is, is one that we've got across some of our campuses where 
all the creative students from music, dance, performance, um, graphic design, screen and media come together and they showcase their their semester or year's work. And it's a really you know vibrant um, uh, time of the year where everyone's all on campus. It's just a good good vibe on campus and it's really sort of energetic. But you know you've got all walks of life on there, you know, experiencing their own culture through musical dance or performance, and it's really exciting to see. And at the same time, it also showcases that, you know, the international students can experience that, even though they might be studying IT, they go, oh, I don't, you know, apart from Harmony Day, you know, what other international events do I need to be part of? We listen to international students, we do feedback surveys, and they, they say, just because we're an international student, don't isolate us as being an international student. Don't you know separate you know segregate us from from the domestic. We want to be part of all events. We don't need a specific event to showcase that we're an international student. So again, we're looking at all our events and going right. Graduation, you're all in it together. Orientation, yes, we have an international one for compliance reasons, but then the generic orientation for programs, everyone's in. They all got to, you know, they're all a student at the end of the day. They all have the same student ID number. One might come from Japan, the other one comes from King Roy. No difference whatsoever. Um, they're in the same same course. Treat them the same. If they feel like they're being treated the same, their experience is going to be better as well. And it's, you know, it takes a lot of time and effort to even get our teachers to recognise that. Um, you know, sometimes they can't speak to quickly in class they've got to sometimes maybe explain a few things um, a bit more but you know we're a multicultural nation and and some of our domestic students English is a, is a second language and we have a lot of migrants and refugees coming as well through um, various government programs and they're integrating into our program programs further on and and you know we just sometimes take for granted that you know some of our local students need a little bit of extra help and the teachers need to provide that extra help to them and also to the international students. So it's more, again, it comes back to what you said before, patience and time. It really is key and and, and having those student-to-student -student connections. Yep, I love that. That sounds great. Um, so there are all the questions that I had for you, Marty. Did you want to share something like perhaps a recent award that you guys won? Get it out there. Let's okay. celebrate. <laughs> well, you know, it's, 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 it's what we talked about today. It's sort of been a, a labour of love. Um, for for a number of years, and uh, with with our international team, we um, know that there's uh, national awards that that institutions like us can apply for. And um, last year, through the Australian Training Awards, there's a category for International Training Provider of the Year. We put in our submission um, the year before, and we just missed out. Uh, so we tried again last year, and. Uh, in November last year, we were successful in obtaining the International Train Provider of the Year. So it was quite exciting to um, have that recognition and acknowledgement of, of the hard work that um, our team have put in over a number of years. And, um, you know, under our, our, our strong leadership of, of Janelle Chapman, our executive director here, who, who's a strong advocate from national, global uh, connections right down to the localised um, statewide uh, connections, as, as you mentioned, I sit on um, a number of the study clusters and represent TAFE Queensland, but also represent the voice of how students want to be engaged, why we need this um, focus in a particular region, and really enhancing those experiences across the state. And, you know, we, we, we purposely 
been working hard to to be an advocate in all levels of government and uh, and advocating across all sectors and embracing everything from English language colleges, high schools to us, right through to university and industry. And um, it's quite a, a, a complex matrix of having to do it different governments and different sectors, but also trying to do it globally as well and, and utilising our channels um, across all countries. But, you know, it's exciting to receive that um, award. Um, but it, uh, as I'll say, the hard work doesn't stop now because we've, um, and, and we can sit back, the hard work continues now. And I guess yep. the benchmark's there from our, <laughs> our, our, our executive push. And, and hopefully, you know, what we want to see is uh, more students coming to Australia and, and ultimately, you know, enrolling with us would be great, but we understand that some students like to go to other parts of Australia and we totally respect their um, decisions to do so. But then, in the end of the day, you know, if they come and do a vocational course in a, in a TAFE, whether it's here, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide or Perth or Canberra or Hobart, you know, it's that experience that hopefully they get um, through going through uh, a certificate or diploma and then the outcome they get at the other end of, of being able to have that industry engagement, opening up the doors to employment and um, having that Australian experience, which we all want. So, you know, it's exciting times. Um, 2020 is a good year for us. We feel um, getting the award end of last year is a real showpiece for us, and we will be showcasing it throughout the year um, ahead, and uh, hopefully we'll um, see how it goes and uh, hopefully the results come through. <laughs> yep, uh, that sounds really great, and I think it's really well-deserved. And thank you so much for joining us today. It's I've really got so much out of our conversation. Uh, I think there's a lot Excellent. a lot that we can think about differently when it comes to international students. Um, and mm. just the agility of, of the TAFE sector in, um, in separate from international students anyway. I think we need to start thinking about things in a different way, which is why I love having these conversations on this podcast and we get to think about different things. So thank you. No, thank you. Thank you very much for this time, Tanya. And I really appreciate that, you know, giving the opportunity to showcase what TAFE can offer. And that, um, you know, we're not, we're a lot different to where we were 20, 30 years ago in the dark dungeons and the long white corridors. <laughs> so fun and vibrant and exciting. And that's the end of this episode of the Student Experience Podcast. I hope you can join us next week for another great interview.